1: question for you about how physics works. All right, shoot. Yeah, what happens when it doesn't work? Like what happens when you're wrong? Mm, That really depends. Depends on what? How wrong you are?
0: (laughs) No, it depends on whether you're an experimentalist or a theorist.
1: Oh, it makes a difference.
0: Oh, yeah. For an experimentalist, if you are wrong one time, it's like career death. It's like getting caught for murder. You know, once is enough to send you away forever. You murdered science if, you, <laughs> if your results are wrong. You murdered your credibility.
1: <laughs> but not for a theorist? Like if a theorist is wrong, there's no consequence?
0: No, um, almost every single paper written by a theorist is wrong. And in fact, if they are right even one time, they win the Nobel Prize. Those sound like better odds, Daniel. (laughs) Why did you even become an experimentalist? I ask myself that question every day.
1: Hi, I'm Jorge. I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist, and though I've never been wrong in a scientific paper, I have zero Nobel prizes. No, wait, that's not actually true. I do have a tiny slice of a Nobel Prize.
1: Well, you could be wrong about having a Nobel Prize, like you could.
0: <laughs> I could write a paper about having a Nobel Prize, and then be
1: wrong, but then get a Nobel Prize for it. In in literature, maybe. But anyways, welcome to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge explain the universe, even the wrong parts, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: In which we take a trip around the universe, giving you a tour of everything that's amazing, everything that's exciting, everything that's real and everything that's theoretical, not just what's out there in the universe, but what's inside the minds of scientists, what they are hoping to discover out there in our universe. That's right. We
1: take you on a trip. Across the cosmos, not just to see what's there, but what might be there. What physicists think might be the next big idea that could revolutionize how we understand the universe.
0: And we have a special group of people whose job it is just to come up with crazy ideas that might describe our universe. You have a group
1: of people just to be wrong? Is that kind of how it works?
0: (laughs) They only have to be right occasionally, but yeah, basically just throw ideas out there. (laughs) It's like the brain, the brain trust. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a brainstorming, you know, like maybe the universe works this way. Go check. Uh, No, I guess not. Maybe the universe works that way. Go check. Oh, no, I guess not. Keep coming up with ideas, folks.
1: Yeah, because the universe is pretty crazy out there. You know, there are a lot of things that we didn't expect. And so as crazy as an idea might seem right now, it could be right.
0: Yep. Absurdity is no obstacle to reality. I mean, you can't take a theory <laughs> of physics and say that's too crazy because some of these crazy ideas turned out to be real. You know, quantum mechanics and relativity. There have been moments in history when we had to accept things that were very difficult to swallow. And that means yeah. that we need to keep our minds wide open to future crazy ideas. Yeah, you could be
1: absurd and be right at the same time.
0: <laughs> that's the situation of the universe. That's your review of the universe on its Amazon Web page. <laughs> Absurd, but right.
1: <laughs> Absurd, but true. Five stars. Yeah. That's kind of like this podcast. Let's put a cartoonist <laughs> and a physicist and talk physics for an hour.
0: And I wonder what that's like sometimes for a theorist, because I'm not a theorist. You know, you spend your life coming up with ideas. Maybe there's this particle. Maybe the universe works that way and, and predicting them and suggesting ways to check, but almost never correct, right? Most theorists who write papers, most of their theories don't even get checked because we can't check all of them. And when they do, mostly they just get ruled out.
1: Yeah, I guess there are a lot of theorists out there and they can't all be right, right? And they can't all be checked. So how, how does how do these ideas come through to get checked.
0: Yeah, well, if you're a theorist, you have some crazy new idea. You say, I think the universe works this way. And then you have to make a prediction. You have to say, well, if somebody did such and such experiment, they could verify my theory. Like Einstein had his theory of relativity, and he predicted something would happen when light bent around the sun or when light bent around the moon during an eclipse. So we make a very specific prediction. Then the key Mm -hmm. is, you have to find an experimentalist, someone to do that experiment and check your prediction if you can't convince anybody that your predictions worth checking it just doesn't get checked
1: is there like an app for physicists to match experimentalists with theories you know like a dating app physicser or
0: checker yeah i'm not sure um you know it's sort of arbitrary you know experimentalists will read a paper and say oh that's really cool i want to check that or me as an Mm. experimentalist i'll go to conferences and talk to theorists and hear about the new ideas and try to think about uh, what's most interesting to test because you can't test everything you have to make your choices
1: yeah i guess you swipe left or right depending on whether you think it could be right or what do you base it on like is it is it is it, are you tempted by like ooh that would be a big fish to catch or are you tempted by like uh, is this an easy fish that i could verify
0: well that's a great question i'm a bit unusual in particle physics most people choose theories that they think sound sort of aesthetically beautiful like supersymmetry and gravity and all these things. They have like a a deep theoretical reason to motivate that theory, like why we Mm. think it exists. Um, For me, I'm more interested in stuff that's going to be a surprise. Like I'd like to look for something that isn't predicted. So I try to do experiments that nobody's predicted because then if you see something new, a new particle, then you get to be the first person to describe it. And it sort of comes out as a pleasant surprise for the community.
1: Uh, So it is like a dating app you swipe left or right, if it's like, oh, this is beautiful. I like it. Or, oh, this floats my boat. I'm going to swipe it.
0: All right. You're right. I give up. Physics is just like a dating app. It's basically the same (laughs) thing.
1: (laughs) Well, a lot of amazing... And incredible discoveries have been made this way. For example, the Higgs boson was really just a theory out of the blue. And it was a theory for a long time until people decided to try to test it.
0: That's right. And people spent decades trying to test this theory. And finally, we built a collider powerful enough that we could create the Higgs boson and prove that it existed. And so this theorist who 50 years earlier had predicted the existence of this particle was proved right and got his Nobel Prize.
1: Yeah, that was like a, like a $20 billion swipe there. You know, that was a big swipe. <laughs> that, that was, was like, a
0: big swipe. <laughs> that was good. $20 billion. Yeah, but you know, he wasn't the only one to predict it. And there was a lot of controversy when we discovered the Higgs boson. Who was going to get the prize for it? Should it just be Higgs? Should it also be this guy Englert, who was around and wrote a lot of very similar papers, but didn't get his name on the particle? And then there was a whole other group of people that wrote very similar papers, but didn't get any part of the prize.
1: That's right. And so today we'll be talking about a prediction from a theorist that maybe should have gotten the Higgs Nobel Prize, but didn't. And he made a second prediction about the universe that we're going to be talking about today.
0: That's right. And this comes from a question from a listener. Somebody wrote it and said, Hey, could you explain this to us? I just don't get it.
1: Yeah. So this is a question that Peter from Poland sent us via email. And so today on the program, we'll be asking the question... What is a cosmic string? I don't want to string people along. Let's just uh, let's just get down to it, Daniel.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking, you know, silly string versus uh, string theory. You know, there's a lot of different combinations there. But there's a lot of a...
1: strings in physics.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Thank you, Peter from Poland, for writing in. And anybody out there, if there's something in physics you've heard about but haven't really understood any of the explanations, send it to us. We're gonna to try to break it down.
1: And this is a tantalizing subject because we're not just talking about strings. We're We're talking about cosmic strings. So they sound like a very big deal, and they are kind of a big deal. They're not small strings like maybe some people might be imagining it.
0: That's right. This is not, you know, star-studied strings in your drawer or anything like that. These are things that could span the entire observable universe. And so we were wondering how many
1: people had heard of these two words put together, cosmic and strings, out there, and how many people maybe even had an idea about what it could be. So as usual, Daniel went out there and asked people on the street if they've heard what a cosmic
0: string is. So before you hear these answers, think to yourself for a moment. Do you know what a cosmic string is? What would you say if I asked you on the street? Here's what people had to say. <laughs> no. Sounds like a Marvel movie for me. Is that similar to string theory? Like the loops mm-hmm. that lay upon as like a fifth dimension potentially. How do you know all this stuff? I don't know any of this. I don't know any. You don't, cosm- don't know if I'm right? i right. uh, It's something. Um, I don't. know, I have no idea. Cosmic strings. Something that uh, in the quantum realm. In the <laughs> quantum <laughs> really, that's what, I think that's what space uh, string theory is. Right? Does the quantum I have no idea. Make you laugh? Does it sound funny? It just sounds like like science fiction.
1: I heard of cosmic bowling not cosmic strings.
0: Cosmic bowling, what's that?
1: It's uh, when they shut down the lights for Friday night bowling.
0: <laughs> strings that you know unite like different potential space and time, like you
1: know,
0: yeah, like space and time, like a a pass, I guess, in a way.
1: Planets stringing together, <laughs> strung together. I have no idea. Something to do with I don't know. Um, Energy, energy, and I, I have no idea. <laughs> okay, Wait, so much. I don't know. Beats me. Obviously, cosmic, yes, but strings those two words together, no. All right, not a lot of familiarity. Although I do like the answer, the person who said it sounds like a Marvel movie to me. <laughs> which it totally does you know <laughs> infinity stones cosmic strings <laughs> quantum realm you you guys are all watching the same movies
0: you could put cosmic in front of anything and it would sound like a marvel movie cosmic quantum cosmic bowling i like that answer i was like yeah that does sound <laughs> like a good idea i'd like to go to cosmic bowling <laughs>
1: <laughs> cosmic breakfast I like this. <laughs> Cosmic breakfast. All right. So not a lot of people seem to know what it was, although it it definitely sounded science-y and science fiction. A lot of people said, oh, it sounds like science fiction or it sounds like something that might be uh, related to string theory or physics or energy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It definitely has a science feel to
0: it. Yeah. And it might have just been the way my hair looked that day. Maybe I looked more like a crazy physicist or maybe it just does sound like a sort of a physics thing. So people were definitely guessing that. <laughs>
1: I'm trying to imagine how you can look more like a physicist, Daniel. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to imagine.
0: I don't know. I guess I could put on a lab coat. I mean, I don't usually wear <laughs> yeah, a lab coat when I'm go. walking around.
1: <laughs> you put on a Marvel costume and boom!
0: <laughs> I need an MCU lab coat so I can do both things at once. Oh, that would
1: be that's a good idea actually. Print um, something fun on a lab coat.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds like merch. Get on that, people.
1: Next product for the Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe store. <laughs> But all right, so let's get into it, Daniel. What, uh, what are they? What is a cosmic string? And I, I am totally with the people on the street. I'd never heard of this concept before this morning.
0: Well, there's a good reason because cosmic strings are a pretty crazy idea. They're pretty far out there, but they're really fun and conceptually sort of mind blowing, which is why I think the theory stuck around for a while. People kept swiping it because uh, it sounded fun. Yeah, everybody wants this theory to be true. And so what is a cosmic string? A cosmic string is a line in space where the space itself is a little bit different from the way space is for us, for me and you and most of the space in the universe. It's like a little bit of leftover from the Big Bang where it never quite cooled and relaxed the way the space for us has. It's like a pocket, like a pocket or a bubble or
1: like a stretched out bubble. Is that kind of what you mean? (laughs)
0: No, it's a really long, thin line. Like it's maybe a femtometer wide, so like super duper tiny, like the width of a proton. But then Uh it can be super long. Like it could be as long as the observable universe, like 90 billion light years.
1: It's kind of like a crack in space itself.
0: Yeah. And you have to think about what space is. And remember that space used to be really different. Right Back when the universe was created, everything was hot and dense and there was a lot of energy everywhere. And remember that space is not emptiness. Space has all this stuff in it. It has these quantum fields. And when you put energy into space, what you're doing is you're making those fields wiggle. And so back in the very early universe, those fields were going crazy because there was so much energy everywhere. So everything was wiggling really fast and everything had a lot of energy.
1: In our book, we talk about how space is kind of like a a goo. It's like it's not emptiness, it's more like it's like something that you're swimming in almost and that can wiggle and bend and push
0: you in, in different directions, right? That's right. Gravity does really weird things to space. It can stretch it, it can bend it, it can ripple it. But for now, let's just think about like one unit of space, like what's in that box of space and in that box of space are quantum fields. Now, the universe started out really hot and dense and really energetic, and those fields had a lot of energy in them. But the space that we're familiar with, that operates in the way that we expect, like has electrons in it and and atoms and stuff, that only came about after the universe relaxed a little bit. We talked about on the Higgs boson episode that there's one of these quantum fields, the Higgs one, that when it relaxed, when the universe cooled down, that this field didn't go all the way down to zero, sort of got stuck on a shelf.
1: Right. Like the, the fields that the universe is made out of are not necessarily static. Like they can be kind of buzzing with energy.
0: That's right. Every time you have a particle, that's a ripple in the field, which means you've injected energy into it. Now, most of the fields can go down to zero. Like you got no electrons in your box of space, that field is at zero. But the Higgs boson never gets down to zero, got stuck on this shelf. And so how does that
1: uh, explain these pockets or these cracks in space?
0: So what happens when the universe is expanding is it's cooling, right? All this energy is getting spread out into more and more space.
1: It's like you're stretching out the fields, right? Like you're stretching them out basically until they calm down
0: yeah you have the same amount of energy in more space and so it gets diluted so everything's like cooling and relaxing and sort of like you know you uh you toss your blanket over your bed and it sort of settles down and settles over your bed right (laughs) <laughs> like a cosmic
1: nap, is what I was saying earlier.
0: <laughs> like a cosmic blanket, yeah. And it settles down, but the Higgs field got stuck, right? But here's the thing. The Higgs field has lots of different ways to get stuck on that shelf. Is That shelf is not just like one little balcony. It's like a long, round balcony. And the universe can get stuck at different spots on that shelf. And so as the universe is cooling, if this chunk of space over here got stuck on a different spot than that chunk of space, then there's this sort of boundary between them, this place between them that doesn't quite work because it's sort of trapped between space that got that cooled in two different ways.
1: Uh, it's kind of like how, you know, water or air has different states like solid, liquid and gas. And, you know, as you cool something down, you can form these little pockets of liquid or gas or what's the other one solid <laughs>
0: water <laughs> crystal yeah it's you know, just like, like the, that. when
1: you like when you stick water into the freezer and it cools down and, and forms ice it doesn't form like this perfect solid of ice it forms like it has bubbles and cracks and mm-hmm. and, and wiggles in it is that kind of what you're saying is happened happened or ha- is happening to space right now
0: Exactly like that. If you cool water down, then you get a crystal. But it doesn't, as you say, turn into a crystal all at once. There's these sites that begin because they're the coldest little dots and the crystals start to form there. And then they, they form out from those little spots where they've nucleated. And then what happens when two crystals meet. You have this boundary, right? And we don't have a perfect crystal. You have a defect in the crystal. That's why like some diamonds are perfect and some diamonds are not because there's a defect there in in the crystal where one half of it is cooled in a different time than the other half. So they're not all lined up perfectly. The same thing happened to space, maybe. Like there are imperfections in space. There are imperfections. These are defects or cracks in space where on one side, the Higgs field, it's at the same level. Right. It's just pointed in a different direction because the Higgs field has sort of two, we call them degrees of freedom, the level that it relaxed at and also where on that shelf it got stuck. So if this chunk of space is stuck on a different spot in the shelf than that chunk of space, it's sort of like your ice cooling in different ways. In different ways, the crystals are oriented in different directions. And so at the boundary, you get this thing that doesn't quite make sense.
1: So I always thought the universe was pretty, uh, pretty good, but I guess it's not a triple A diamond (laughs)
0: quality space. I mean, I love our universe. I would not trade it in for anything. I think it's perfect just the way it is. But it might have these cracks in it, right? And we don't know. We have never seen one of these things. But it might have these cracks in it. That's the idea. That's the concept of a cosmic string.
1: Cosmic flaws.
0: In space itself. And so along that line, it's like the universe never got to cool because it doesn't know, like, should I cool in this way or should I cool in the other way? It's sort of like trapped between them. And so it still has that energy density from the initial universe when everything was really hot and dense. And so these cosmic strings, even though they're really, really thin, they're like a femtometer wide. They're incredibly massive.
1: And they could be holding energy like the cracks or the flaws in the universe could be storing some sort of energy or tension into them
0: absolutely incredible amounts of energy like two centimeters of a cosmic string weighs as much as mount everest a kilometer of cosmic string weighs more than the earth and so we're talking about these things they could be like 90 billion light years long it's an enormous amount of energy
1: wow you just totally cracked my mind here daniel (laughs) cosmically (laughs) Cosmically, dude. But All right, so let's get into it and why physicists think these crazy cracks might exist and whether or not they're real. But first, let's take a quick break.
0: You know that feeling after you've done a deep spring clean of your house when you realize, wow,
1: Okay, so you're saying that as the universe was cooling or as it's cooling right now, you might have these areas, these lines, these huge lines in space that are sort of like cracks, like where space is kind of freezing into different crystals like structures or different modes. And so you have these kind of edges to the or wrinkles in space itself due to the Higgs field.
0: Precisely. And we are in the crystal part, right? We're in the part of space that cooled. These chunks of space that all cooled sort of together, that's like, could be as wide as 95 billion light years, like the observable universe. It's not like you have a little pocket of space the size of your hand and the next pocket is different and the next pocket is different. If there are these pockets, then they're vast. They're incredibly enormous. But then at their edges, there can be these cracks.
1: And you're saying these edges, these boundaries look like strings... And so why don't they look like walls or like, you know, planes out in space? Why is it shaped like a long, like it's super thin, but really long string?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. That's because the Higgs boson, the field for the Higgs has a lot of different ways you can relax. Like there's one level at which you can relax, one energy level. But on that energy level, it can sort of point in a lot of different directions. And so the way to get a boundary is like if you had two different energy levels and and the boundary like a would be like a plane between them but um, because there's only one energy level everywhere in space has that energy level but they just point in different directions and so what you get is this defect that's like a string and then as you go around the string the Higgs field is pointing in different directions and so it points in a different direction every point around the string and then the only place where you can't get sort of like Smoothness is along this one infinitesimally thin line where space doesn't know where to point because every point, everything around it, is pointing in a different direction. So it's like, ah, eh, I can't relax. I don't know which way should I go. <laughs> it's kind of like me in this podcast. <laughs> We're going in every direction. What happens
1: if I touch one of these strings? Like, what if I'm traveling don't touch and touch one of these things and I run into like you know, like a spider web or? You know, I'm walking down the street and just run into one.
0: Um, Well, I would recommend wearing oven mitts, first of all, because there's a lot of energy there.
1: Oh, that's right. They they trap energy. It's like a, Mm -hmm. I guess it's more like a wrinkle in space, right? It's not so much like a crack, but it's more like, you know, like you're tucking in or you're bending a lot of space along a line of it.
0: Yeah, a wrinkle is a good way to do it. I think a cosmic wrinkle um, would have been a, a good way to sell this thing.
1: That could be the sequel to the, win novels: A wrinkle in space-time.
0: <laughs> Turns out there was physics behind that novel. But you would <laughs> notice one almost immediately if you saw one, because there's so much uh. mass that they bend the space around them the way everything does. Everything with mass bends space, and it would cause a huge gravitational lens, so it would really distort the way light moved around it.:
1: Wow, like a black hole be like a black string.:
0: Yeah, it would be a lot like a black hole, except it would be really, really thin and very, very long.
1: Okay, there would be probably crazy stuff happening around it, right? Like, a,
0: you know, it wouldn't just sort of sit
1: there in space. There would be, you know, some kind of, you know, cosmic storm kind of swirling around it. Would there be?
0: <laughs> uh, in the MCU version of this movie, then yeah, all the visual yeah. effects would be dramatic all around it. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, yeah. What does what the gauntlet that holds the cosmic strings look like? No, it's actually fascinating because unlike a black hole, which has enormous gravitational pull and so has a huge amount of stuff around it, like a maelstrom that's like a, um, giving off light because of all the gravitational energy and the, and the tidal forces, cosmic strings don't actually provide um, a strong gravitational pull. Like, they distort space, but they don't necessarily create gravity themselves. It's a really weird consequence. It depends on the shape of the string. If they're a loop or if they're straight, it's actually quite complicated.
1: Didn't you say that it has more mass than the Earth? Yes. Or like, a, a you know, it's just really massive, but it, so it has mass, but no...
0: Gravity. It has mass. It distorts space so it can become a gravitational lens, but it doesn't necessarily attract you because of the configuration of it. It depends precisely on the shape of it. Remember, general relativity tells us that gravity is much more complicated than just things that have mass pull on each other. It depends a lot on the shape of that stuff. That's why if you have the right configuration of stuff, you can even get repulsion like dark energy. And so these cosmic strings are a really weird little object and, and it depends exactly on the configuration of it, whether you get pulled into it or repelled or whether it basically ignores you.
1: So it, when you say it's massive, it's, it's really more like E equals mc squared, like it just has a lot of energy to it.
0: Yeah, it has a huge amount of energy. It's a, a lot of energy density in a really small spot.
1: All right, well, it sounds uh, kind of dangerous and that maybe you don't want to run into one of these strings out there in space.
0: Unless you want to win a Nobel Prize.
1: unless you want to die trying, I guess. (laughs) But uh, why why do physicists think they might exist? Is this something that you're pretty sure of or it's a crazy idea? What would would make someone think of, of these strings as possibly being out there?
0: Well, it comes from this guy named Tom Kibble. And Kibble was one of the folks who was around when the whole idea of the Higgs boson was being invented. This... Question of, like, how do particles get mass? And do we need to invent a new quantum field that fills space that gives particles mass? And, you know, anytime theorists come up with some new idea, then they like to play with it. They say, Ooh, okay, now we have a new toy, this Higgs field. What else does it mean? You know, how can we, what consequences would it have? And so he was thinking about the early universe and how the Higgs field would be cooling as the universe expanded. And then he hit on this idea. He thought, wait a second what if it doesn't cool evenly would you get these cracks and i guess that was just really fun to think about he also he didn't get included in the nobel prize cuz he sort of came in a tiny bit too late on those papers so maybe he was really? going for a backup nobel prize strategy
1: i wonder if his name helped you know maybe the committee was like we can't give a nobel prize to someone named kibble <laughs>
0: You know, there's a whole group of people, there's like three folks out there who are writing papers right at the same time as Higgs and Englert, and they just got totally snubbed by the Nobel Prize Committee.
1: Wow. Just about when they submitted the paper or when when they came up with the idea.
0: There's a lot of controversy because it's, you know, some journals that the date on the paper reflects when you submitted it. And in other journals, it reflects when it was finally accepted after review. And so there's a lot of controversy about who came up with the idea first. And you can only give the prize to three people. And um, the three people who everybody mostly agrees came up with the idea first, Higgs, Englert, and Brout, they were, um, they won the prize except for Brout who had died already. So it was just split between Higgs and Englert. And then in the second tier, there were like three people. And so they were like, well, we either give it to two or we give it to five. We can't give it to five. So I guess we'll just snub that whole second tier. Wow.
1: Is there a runner-up Nobel Prize? It should be. It should <laughs> the be. Honorary.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like fake gold, you know, just like hollow plastic. <laughs> it's not nearly as cool.
1: Okay, so that's the theory. The theory is that as the universe is cooling, you got these kind of flaws in how the Higgs field was cooling down. And so you form these crazy strings, but they're not related to string theory, right? That might be confusing because they're both strings, but they're totally different scales.
0: That's right. They're not related to string theory at all. String theory deals with like the fundamental nature of the universe on the smallest scale, like 10 to the minus 35 meters is everything actually made out of these tiny vibrating strings. The thing they have in common is the sort of analogy we use in our minds where we put them that like, you know, this thing is really long and thin, so let's call it a string. So fundamental strings that are really tiny, we think might be these um, one-dimensional objects. So they're really long and thin, not that long actually, um, but they're much longer than they are thin. And cosmic strings are, you know, light years long and a femtometer thin. So the only thing they really have in common is that name. But there's, there are other reasons to think that cosmic strings might have existed.
1: All right, so then, so what was the motivation for these? Like, I know they were playing around with the theory of the Higgs field, but what makes this a particularly Fun theory, like you said, or
0: interesting theory to look for. Well, you're right. It's a fun idea and it's fun to play with. But there's a lot of things that get theorists excited and fun to play with. You mean they're fun strings? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they do. They just go in their office and play with strings. Um, no, the thing that made this idea sort of stick in people's minds was that they thought it might solve a problem that we had, which is that we didn't understand like why we had galaxies. We didn't understand why the universe had structure at all. We talked about this on the podcast before, like if the universe started out totally smooth, how do you get any clumping? How do you get things started so that gravity can take over and give you stars and planets and rabbits and hamsters? Right. Like
1: where did that initial texture of the universe
0: come from or the initial clumping
1: of stuff? Exactly. We could have been in a universe where everything was just spread out and
0: bland and boring and gray, right? That's right. And somebody was thinking about cosmic strings early on, and they calculated like, well, how many cosmic strings would there have been? And then they calculated like, well, how many galaxies are there? And those two numbers were pretty similar. So then they thought, wait a second. Maybe cosmic strings cause galaxies. Maybe the reason we have structure is because of cosmic strings. Maybe these cracks in space, these imperfections, are the reason that stuff started to clump together and form structure and planets and hamsters and ice cream and bananas. So maybe cosmic strings explain the universe
1: that would have tied everything up pretty neatly with a string.
0: (laughs) Exactly. It would have been quite the cosmic solution. That's why people got excited about it, because you have this new toy, which is connected to this fun new theoretical idea of a Higgs boson, and maybe it solves the problem you have.
1: All right. Well, it sounds really tantalizing, and I'm definitely seeing the fun of it, and I definitely feel like I'm being strung along here to some interesting conclusion. So let's get into whether or not they are real and how we might actually see these cosmic strings out in space. But first, let's take another quick break.
0: The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place Puerto Rico. It's embodied by these proud, passionate people and you'll feel it in every part of the island. When you bask in the warmth of the beaches, when you taste the love and the food, when you embrace the call of adventure, you'll find the Boricua spirit in yourself as well. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. You can forget where you came from and embrace where you are in Puerto Rico because your visit ends, but the stories last forever. No passport is required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust.
1: And how will we know? are we Are we going to see them out in space? Are we going to be looking out into space one day and see like, "Wait a minute, what is that little crack?" We check our glasses and our telescopes, but it's not a crack in the lens. It's an actual crack in space, in the universe itself.
0: (laughs) That would be pretty awesome. I mean, what a thing to discover. What a moment that would be to see a crack in space itself. Unfortunately, no human has had that experience yet. As far as we know, there are no cosmic strings out there. I like how you said no humans. I don't want to rag on alien science. You know, I'm hoping those guys have made some advances well past what we have done so that when they come visit, they share with us all those secrets. No human that we know of. (laughs) <laughs> no human that we know of. And no human would make this discovery and I think keep it to themselves because it would be of really cosmic significance. And right. remember, we also, we can't say they don't exist. We can just say we haven't seen them. So we don't know that they exist.
1: Okay, so we haven't seen one yet, but it's a theoretical prediction that it sounds fun and that might explain some of the structure in the universe. So are people looking for these Cosmic cracks or are we just hoping that one day we maybe see them
0: like is there an active <laughs> search for these cracks? I'm just waiting for alien unicorns to come pulling one and drop it on the earth <laughs> I mean that's, that's what they plans. used to, that's what they used to steer the the cosmic <laughs> unicorns they use
1: <laughs> cosmic strings
0: No, that'll be the opening scene in the Marvel movie about cosmic strings. Um, (laughs) But people were thinking that maybe this affected the shape of the universe. And they had all these predictions like if these cracks in space were the things that caused sort of the large scale structure, the reason we have galaxies, then they had predictions for how the universe should have sort of been rippling in its first moments. And remember that we have seen the early universe. We can look back in time and see what the universe looked like when it was very young call this the cosmic microwave background radiation. It's the leftover glow from the Big Bang. But didn't these strings form way
1: after the Big Bang when everything was cooling down? Or, or was it, did, it start, did they start wrinkling right after the Big Bang?
0: Right after the Big Bang, yeah. It's when, as space was expanding, that's when sort of things were cooling and, and the ice crystals of space were forming. And so the cosmic microwave background happened like hundreds of thousands of years later. And now we've seen that. So these cosmic strings, the idea was invented before we had precise measurement of this cosmic microwave background light. And it made very specific predictions for what that light should look like. And then we saw that light from the early universe and it didn't look right. It doesn't look the way you would expect it to if cosmic strings were real.
1: Really? You would see this in the cosmic microwave background? Like, aren't these, I mean, aren't these cracks? You're saying they're one femtometer thin. How would you even see them in the
0: cosmic background if they're there and they did affect the sort of structure of the universe you would start to see that structure beginning to form in the very early universe i mean they've had three hundred thousand years or so to start to get things starting to wiggle and we do see structure in the early universe i mean early universe is very smooth because it was early on and things were just getting started but we look at that light and we see like hot spots and cold spots we can analyze those rates of hot spots and cold spots, and say, what theory would give us sort of that level of fluctuation, that level of structure at that time? And cosmic mm-hmm. strings just predict sort of a different distribution of hot spots and cold spots than we see.
1: Really? Even if, the, what if there aren't as many strings as you thought there might be? You know what I mean? Like maybe there's just, there's just... Far and few in between for you to see them
0: no the pattern is just wrong it's not like about the number it's about the distribution how far apart they are and sort of how they affect the shape of space instead it's totally consistent with just quantum fluctuations in the early universe then getting blown up by inflation so there, there were sort of two competing theories like this random fluctuation plus inflation or cosmic strings and now the the data really look a lot like random fluctuations plus inflation and not like cosmic strings
1: i guess that's good right because if it turned out that the the universe as a baby had a lot of wrinkles in it that would be kind of strange (laughs) and disturbing wouldn't it (laughs) who wants to see a wrinkly old looking baby
0: man if the universe is listening to this podcast you're in trouble (laughs) <laughs> I'm already in trouble, Danny. <laughs> but, you know, if cosmic strings do exist, they don't have to have formed the structure. This is like, if they caused the structure, here's what that structure should look like. But they could still exist. It could be that they're still out there. They're just not responsible for the structure of the universe as we know it.
1: Oh, I see. We know that they maybe didn't have a hand in structuring the universe, but they could still be out there. They're just sort of like under the radar more than you thought they would be.
0: That's right. And so we have other ways to look for cosmic strings that people are actively doing right now.
1: What are some of the ways that we can search for these cosmic strings?
0: Well, cosmic strings have a lot of energy density, and so they do this gravitational lensing thing. They bend space. And so if you have a really bright source of light behind a cosmic string and you're standing in front of it, then you'd see like sort of a doubling of an image because the light would get bent around the string. Like if I had a flashlight and there was a cosmic string between us and I turned on my flashlight, you'd see... Two bulbs right, but wouldn't
1: uh aren't these strings really thin you know I'm trying to think about how much distortion a little string can make and it'd be kind of tiny right wouldn't it be really hard to see like a small imperfection in such a huge canvas
0: it'd be really thin, but it'd be really really massive right say we took Mount Everest and squeezed it down to a tiny string right then it could have a significant impact oh.
1: all right so and we would we would maybe see it not, not as a lens, but like a kind of like a, a lens in the form of a string, kind of. Like we would see doubles all along the
0: string itself. Precisely. And so what we've done is we looked out into space and we look for this kind of effect and we see gravitational lensing all the time in space. Usually it's black holes or blobs of dark matter, this kind of stuff. But as you say, a cosmic string would look a little different. And people have seen like pairs of galaxies in the sky near each other that look really, really similar. And they thought, "Ooh, wait, maybe that's a cosmic string. But then they looked closer and they discovered, nope, it's just two similar galaxies. It's not a reflection.
1: <laughs> it was just uh, Bob's hair that fell in the lens of our telescope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and so these days there's another way to look for cosmic strings that people think is the most promising. What's that? And that also has to do with their gravitational effects because these cosmic strings, we don't think they're just floating there. We think that they have so much energy they're like whipping and ripping and crackling.
1: No way. What?
0: Yeah, like, you know, lightning bolts um, coming from fingertips in a Marvel movie, right? Yeah, Oh, they're active these strings. these boundaries oh, yeah. can move mm-hmm. huh. yeah because and, I,
1: I guess the 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 field is shifting around it, and so the that boundary is is like fluid
0: yep. and also the strings can get twisted and if they cross over each other, they can break and then you get ends and those ends can like whip around like crazy it's uh it's pretty nuts. can they form loops and knots? They can form loops, absolutely yep. Can you make a cosmic knot? <laughs> I cannot make a cosmic knot, but the universe might be capable. If you get one of these crazy strings in a, in a, in a strange shape, then its movement can get, generate a lot of gravitational waves. And we now have gravitational wave detectors like LIGO that saw when two black holes ate each other or when two neutron stars collided, they create these ripples in space itself. And we can see that now.
1: Wow, it's like a picturing like a snake trashing in a puddle of water like it's moving and it's generating ripples that we might be able to see
0: precisely but we don't know how fast they move and so they could be like zipping around really fast generating enormous signals of gravitational waves that we could detect or it could be like a cosmic time scale thing where they're like decades long signals these ripples you have to like take data for a hundred years before you see the up and the down so we don't quite know what to look for
1: They could be not whipping around, but maybe just whipping around.
0: (laughs) Precisely. Precisely. And so people are using gravitational wave detectors here on Earth. You have these long halls filled with vacuum and lasers to measure space really precisely to see if there's little ripples. And then people are also trying to use the entire galaxy as a gravitational wave detector. Yeah, why not? Well, I mean, I got other things to use the galaxy for, but hey, <laughs> yeah, if it's know. there... <laughs>
1: if it's there, might as well use it to find Cosmic Black's uh, whole strings.
0: Why not? Yeah, and I love this idea because um, it just sort of takes what's already out there and tries to use it to do science. Like, you could never build a galaxy-size physics experiment, but hey, just take the galaxy and turn it into an experiment. I love this idea.
1: Oh, and so what's the idea here that the string might... Uh, as it's moving around, kind of affect the things around it.
0: The idea is just to build a bigger detector. Like the larger your gravitational wave detector is, the smaller a wiggle you can see. Right? It's easier to see in a larger detector because it's a, uh, yeah, it's just more. You have more sensitivity to it because it's over more space. And so the idea is to build one the size of the galaxy. Now you can't build your own detector, but there are things out there that you can use as a detector. And the thing that we can use are these stars called pulsars. These are stars that are emitting light in a regular pattern. Like when they were first discovered, they, you see these, these regular beeps from space. And so if the space between us and some of these pulsars gets wrinkled in a little bit or, or ripples happen, then it changes how the, the pulsing of these pulsars. And so the idea is to use all of these to sort of measure the smoothness of space.
1: Oh, I see. But that's only if these strings are moving fast enough for us to sort of notice them. Or notice the yeah. difference.
0: Yeah. If, if they take a hundred years to send a signal, then our grad students are going to be really old before they get their PhD. <laughs> you
1: don't sound that uh, surprised, Dan. You're like, it's a big deal. You're like, well, it might take a five years or a hundred years. I can't say.
0: <laughs> hey, it's research. I can't predict, right? That's what I always tell my students. You never know. You're the first person to ever do this. So good Do luck. you tell them
1: that you could be wrong?
0: I tell them uh, we've never published a paper knowingly wrong. Yet. So don't be the first.
1: <laughs> so many caveats in that statement, Daniel. So many caveats.
0: I had that vetted by my legal department. <laughs>
1: okay. Oh, All right. So I guess that answers the question, what is a cosmic string? It's, a, it's like an imperfection in, this, in the fabric of the universe itself. It's like a wrinkle caused by the, the stretching of it and the weird cooling of the Higgs field. I can't believe I just said that in one sentence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, these quantum fields are not just an idea. They're real. They're out there. And as the universe cooled from the, like, hot, nasty quantum fields to cold, crystallized quantum fields that we have today, then how that cooling happened could have affected the way the universe is formed.
1: And it's cool to think that what we might do with this knowledge, right? Like, if we know that space can wrinkle and crack like this, who knows what we could do with space, possibly? Can we fold space? Can we make space origami?
0: <laughs> the one thing we can never do is get the Nobel Prize for Tom Kibble. Oh, did he pass away? He passed away. So oh. he missed the Nobel Prize for the Higgs boson. And if he was right about cosmic strings, he missed that one also.
1: Right. But you can still get in on the party by maybe being the person who, who discovers it, right?
0: Right. That's right. And maybe Tom Kibble will get another kind mention in the Nobel Prize acceptance speech, which is almost like a runner-up prize. Right. Well,
1: I guess the idea is that uh, maybe someone listening to this out there might be the person who discovers. It might be you. It might be me. It might be someone listening to this who discovers these wrinkles
0: in reality. That's right. Or something even crazier. The next time you hear a theorist talk about some totally bonkers notion about the way the universe or space might work, then remember, there are crazier ideas out there that are actually real. That's right.
1: They, they could still be crazy, but they might also be right.
0: <laughs> you never know. That's the wrinkle in your reasoning. Thank you very much, Peter, for that question. I love email questions from listeners. So please, if there's something you'd like to hear us discuss, send it to us to questions at danielandjorge.com. We hope you enjoyed that. Thanks for listening. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.
1: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.